Hallelujah. In the Lord good. I said in the Lord good. Can we just thank him one more time for his kindness. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his presence. Man, isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? I'm telling you. Man, you know, we were singing that, that song, that second song, just that song of freedom. And, you know, I just had this thing in my, my spirit to just really encourage someone. Look, when you find yourself, like, up against the ropes, you know what I'm talking about? Like, when, whenever you, you feel like blow after blow has been landed against you and nothing seems to be going your way, where you feel like your prayers have hit the ceiling. Can I just tell you something? Like, don't throw in the towel. Like, those are the times when we praise and we praise until we get breakthrough. And I just want to encourage you with that because, like, as we go throughout the week, can I tell you, the enemy always has us on his radar. He's always got us, and he's all, because his purpose is to steal kill and destroy. He wants to take away every good thing that God has planned and purpose for your life. He wants to destroy every relationship, every godly relationship. That's for sure. You know, he wants to hook you up with worldly relationships. He wants to just come against the plan and purpose of God. And when you feel the enemy coming against you, I just want to encourage you to just stop what you're doing and begin to give God praise. Now watch this. It's easy for us to give God praise when all of a sudden we look at our electric bill and it was $200 cheaper than it was back in February. How many know that ain't what it is right now? Hello. We're praising the Lord that we can pay it, right? <laughs> but listen, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves up against, whether it's a need that we can't meet, whether it's a bad report from the doctor, friends, I'm here to tell you that if you will praise God in the midst of it, like, that's the time when we have, we have these opportunities to really be able to e express our faith. You know that in heaven, like, we won't have those opportunities. There won't be no more tears. There won't be no more worry. But we get the opportunity to praise God right in the midst of it here. So we say, God, even with everything that's coming against me, God, I trust that you're good. And we just begin to lift up a hallelujah. We just begin to give God praise. We begin to say, Jesus, you are good. The situation may not look good, but that's okay because you're good. And I fix my eyes on you, not on the situation. And you know what I have found? Friends, I've lived life long enough now to know that when I keep my eyes on him, when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all those other things, they're added to me. He takes care of them. He takes care of them. When I take my eyes off of the waves, Peter, and I walk on the water, then I'm able to do what I can never do on my own strength. And I just want to encourage those of you that just need that encouragement to know that whatever you're walking through right now, you need to praise from the place of victory because victory is already yours. It's already yours. And you've got to start speaking like that. You, you can't speak as a victim. You can't have a victim mentality. You've got to know that you are a son and a daughter of the king. And so, therefore, we start speaking as children of God, as ambassadors of God. We start calling things not as though they were. We don't look at them from the way that they are, but we began to speak life because the Scripture teaches that in our tongue, it holds life. The power of life and death lie in the tongue. So we begin to speak forth the goodness of God. We begin to speak forth the way that things should be. And we call them to come into alignment with God's plan and purpose. That was not planned for me to share that, but somebody just needs to hear that. And so when you're going down the road and your marriage isn't as it should be, God, I thank you that I'm, I got a, a godly marriage. I, I think I've got a godly husband. I call it out of him. I call that man of God forth. And matter of fact, just call him that. You see him say, man of God? And he may be like, man of God, what? He may be sitting there drinking a Bud Light and you say, hey, man of God, man of God, I, I call you up. I'm talking about calling people up. I'm talking about us speaking forth the goodness of God and the life of God. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, that you have called us as your children. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us, Lord God, 
to bring change, Lord, spiritual, atmospheric change, Lord God, to our families, Lord, to the marketplace, to our jobs, Lord. Lord, even in this place as we gather together, we thank you that, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is here today, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So, God, I pray that in this house today, there would be freedom, God. Freedom, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would just break the chains of bondage. I pray today, Lord, that you would just set free the captive and that you would just tear down any strongholds that exist. And we invite you, precious Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts, Lord. Give us ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit is saying to the church, we pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to just... If I could, welcome our guest. Uh, I know Pastor Daniel uh, welcomed them, but I know there's a few of you here that are new today, and also want to welcome our online audience. So can we welcome our guest, church? I just want you to know, man, we absolutely consider it an honor to have you here worshiping with us, uh, and the same is true with our online audience. And for those of you that are just joining us, uh, let me just let you know that we've been on this series for almost nine months now uh, called All In, where we have been going through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, and we've been diving into what it means to live a life that is all in for Christ. And if you remember last week, I gave you guys an assignment. Everybody's real quiet right now, right? My my dog ate my homework, right? Do you remember the assignment? Acts chapter 26, how many of you guys did it? I won't make you hold your hand up. Oh, those of you that did it said yes, yes. I know you did it three times, Cheryl. You read it three times. Come on. Listen, that's okay if you didn't read it. We're going to read it uh, here in just a, a little bit. But, um, but before we do, I want to try to just establish some good groundwork for where we're going. And I want to begin by saying that I feel like today's message has profound significance for the current state of the church. Because what we're going to be talking about today is addressing a pressing need, a need to both stir and equip the body of Christ for the sharing of the gospel and to ignite a renewed passion for evangelism. And my prayer this morning is that three things will take place. One is to bring awareness to the truth that God has called each of us to reach people for Christ. Two, to see an urgency and a passion arise within the church to reach people for Christ. And three, to equip you with enough tools to at least get you started in sharing your faith. Now, let me just uh, share with you what the Bible says about our job responsibility. You guys do know that you and I, we have a responsibility as believers. You know that, right? Ephesians 4, 11, 12, it lists it. It says this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job as a pastor, my job is to equip you But your job is to carry out the work for which you've been equipped. So I highly encourage you guys this morning to take notes because what I'm going to share with you is going to be something that you can go back to and reference um, as you grow in sharing your faith with Christ, about Christ. But before I do, let me me just uh, start in the book of Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to get to Acts 26 here shortly. But again, I want to just lay some groundwork. Isaiah 43.10 says this. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. The prophet Isaiah speaks by the Spirit of the Lord, and he says several things here. First, he says that we are chosen. Much of the same manner as we read about in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 when it says that we are a, a chosen people. And he lets us know that it wasn't because of our good deeds or in our own accord that God decided to call us. No, but God chose us out of his loving kindness towards us. 
And then he goes on to state the purpose for which God called us. It was so that we would come to know God, to trust and to believe him, and to understand that he is the one true God. But before it says any of these things, it first says this. It says, you are my witnesses. And really, this is at the heart of today's message. It's to recognize that God has a great plan and a purpose for our lives. But that purpose is for you and I to glorify God. And one of the ways that we bring glory to God is by shining the light of Jesus to a lost and a dying world. The Holy Spirit said through the prophet Isaiah, you are my witnesses. What I'd like to do is I'd just like to take a moment to talk about that word witness. Because understanding its meaning will help us in our understanding of our job responsibility. First, the word witness. This word has its origins in the legal field. And in the Old Testament, it's used almost exclusively within the framework of um, legality purposes. You see, a witness is someone who has knowledge of something. It's also someone who has experience in a particular area. Now, for those of you who don't have a job that has anything to do with the, the courtroom, uh, perhaps maybe you've watched a movie or um, maybe you've read a book that depicted the scene of a courtroom. And if you have, then chances are you have heard the term key witness. Anyone ever heard that before? Which is someone who's testimony is of great significance in determining the outcome of a case. Well, watch this. The Bible says that you and I, that we are witnesses. And to many people in your life, you are a key witness. In other words, your testimony has great significance in them determining what they believe to be true or not true about God. Now, church, this is where I really need you to hear me because I firmly believe that each and every one of us possess a far greater influence in the lives of those around us than we could ever possibly comprehend. What I mean is you are the key witness to many people in your life, and you probably aren't even aware of it. And I can promise you that with absolute persuasion that this is the case. I remember whenever this hit me head on on two different instances in my life, um, and it was when I was doing a time of transitioning uh, as youth pastor. I transitioned out of two different churches, uh, both for positive reasons. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of them was to move here to Jacksonville to plant Destiny Church. But in both of those transitions, I had a couple of people who had cried more than anyone else, and it was completely unexpected. And in both of those situations, uh, those students and parents had come to me and had shared with me what an impact that Jody and I had made on their lives. And I've just got to tell you, those people that came absolutely shocked me because I thought that they would have been some of the very first to be excited about us leaving, right? And I tell you this just so that you would know, there are absolutely people in your life that your influence it exceeds beyond anything that you could possibly imagine. But the question for you and I is this, will we take the stand and share with them the testimony that you carry of God's goodness? Or are you going to get on the stand and plead the fifth with God? Say, Pastor, that's a little heavy. Good, I meant for that to be. Because sharing Christ with the world shouldn't be something that we take lightly. As a matter of fact, guys, I can't think of anything of greater significance than sharing the love of Christ with the world. Are y'all with me, church? And of course, we know that sharing the love of God, it exceeds more than just words. But friends, words are necessary. It's our words that tell the world why we do what we do. I mean, without words, our acts of kindness could just simply be mistaken as, 
I don't know, humanitarian efforts. You see, it's through our words that we distinguish ourselves as followers of Christ. Let me say it this way. Your good deeds must be accompanied with some good news. Hello? Hey, good news is only good if someone shares it with you, right? Now, I said the word witness mostly carries a legal connotation in the Old Testament, but as we flip to the New Testament, we continue to see this same word, witness, used, but now it takes on a whole other meaning. As a matter of fact, um, as we kicked off this series uh, all in, in Acts chapter 1, we see this word uh, in Acts 1 verse 8 when it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my what? My witnesses in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus takes this word witness, which by the way, all of his disciples would have been familiar with, but he pulls it from its usual setting of the political sphere, and now he uses it within the context of what we call evangelism. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit so that you will have the strength to be a witness to the things that you have seen, heard, and experienced. And friends, can I just tell you, those words that Jesus spoke to the disciples 2,000 years ago, they do not carry an expiration date. What Jesus said 2,000 years ago to the early church is just as much for you and me today as it was for them 2,000 years ago. Now, I want you to grab a hold of this next truth. This is found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, the one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. So if you believe in God, if you have faith in Jesus, you have a testimony. Now, just another little word study for you. The word testimony, because I know I used the word witness a minute ago. Witness and testimony, they're used synonymously throughout the New Testament. Translators, for various reasons, uh, chose this word pretty much for emphasis based on what they were saying. But these are actually uh, the same Greek word. But the point that I want to highlight from the scripture is that anyone who believes in the Son of God has a testimony. And I just want you to know that. Matter of fact, can you just look the person next to you and say, you have a testimony? You do. You have a testimony. And I just want to get practical for a moment. And I'd like to just lay out and define what it means to be a witness. And we're going to start with just a simple definition, okay? Here's your definition if you're taking notes. Your testimony is your unique story of your experience with God. That's it. Pretty simple, right? Your testimony is your unique story of your experience with God. And here's the cool thing about your testimony. Nobody's testimony in the whole world is exactly like yours. Like there may be some similarities, but your story is unique. It's one of a kind. And... It's one that the world needs to hear. Your testimony can be the story of how you came to know Christ. Or it could be many stories of the different things that God has done in your life. Like, for example, there are many of you in this room who you have a testimony of how God miraculously provided for you. Come on, somebody. Huh? There's some of you in this room who you have a testimony of how God radically saved you and just turned your life around. There's some of you in here, you have a testimony of how God healed you. My, both hands and legs are up for me. Come on. But you have a testimony. And here you, here's you another little, little definition if you wanted. A testimony is a spoken or written account of what God's done in your life that's given to others. Now, watch this for a minute. Because right here is where I'd like to just expose the devil. Because you know what? I have become familiar with his tactics. I know how he operates. And let me just share with you just a few things that um, I've learned as, as I've been walking in my own faith walk. And that's this. 
is that the enemy, he comes, and he does nothing but lies. And the Bible says it this way in John 8, 44. It says that he is a liar and that he is the father of lies. Now, you say, what does that mean? He's the father of lies. What that means is he has conceived every single lie that exists. Now, we're the ones who give birth to it whenever we believe it. Are you with me? But it originates with him. And the devil would love more than anything to cause you to think that your testimony is not significant. Or for whatever reason, you can't share it with others. But the devil is a liar. Of course, he's going to try to do everything that he can to prevent you from sharing your testimony with others. And watch this. You don't have to be following God for five years or 20 years or like myself, 30 years before you share your testimony. If you gave your life to Christ last night, guess what? Those who believe in Son of God, this Bible says, has this testimony within them. You have a testimony. Even if that testimony was, well, yesterday I felt terrible and, and I felt like I was empty. And last night I put my faith in Christ and this morning, man, I've got the life of God inside of me. That's a testimony. And someone needs to hear it because someone else woke up yesterday and their life was terrible. And they need to know that there's hope because what God did for you, he can also do for them. Psalm 107 verse 2 says this. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Did you catch that? Let them say so whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Church, let me just ask you something. What lie have we believed, has the church believed, have you believed, that has caused you to say no rather than saying so? What excuse have you been clinging on to that has prevented you from sharing the gospel with those that God has placed in your life? 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. See, I think oftentimes we hear stuff like this or we read something like this in the scripture and we think that God is presenting it to us as if it's an option or or a suggestion. We think, well, someone else is going to make his deeds known. I mean, that's your job, Pastor. No, can I just tell you, actually, I know my job description. It's to equip you. To equip the saints. That's my job. To seek the face of God. To pull in the word to God. To say, Lord, what are you speaking to this congregation? To come and to teach it to you. Right? To equip the saints for the what? Work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is all of our parts. It's your part. But it's also my part whenever I leave this room. Because I'm a Christian before I'm a pastor. Are you with me? And then I go out and then I have to live the life. I want you to follow with me just for a second. I'm convinced that the testimony that God has given us is a stewardship issue. And let me just tell you how God operates when it comes to stewardship. If we are faithful with what he has given us, then he will give us more. Now, I often hear people say, well, man, I want God to give me, give me more. But yet they have been, not been faithful with what God has already given given them. Like, let me just expound upon that thought if I could. I'm quite certain that there's probably not a person in this room that wouldn't say, I want more in some area of their life. Like, you know, more provision. Uh, I think every 100% of the people would say, I'll take some more finances, Lord, Uh, some more blessings, um, more testimonies of God's healing, Uh, of his miracles. But watch this. What if God is waiting for us to be faithful with the testimonies that he's already given us before he gives us more? Like, what if our future testimonies are contingent upon the ones that we currently have and what we do with them? Now watch this. Revelation 19, 10 says this, and this is so good. This is it's a little deep, but hang with me here. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now catch this for a moment. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now we've already said that a testimony is a spoken or a written account uh, given to others of what God has done. But I want you to know that this spoken or written account, it carries with it a prophetic 
anointing. That's why the scripture says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You see, a prophetic anointing has two primary functions. It either changes present conditions and causes supernatural intervention, or it foretells the future and it sets the context for the unfolding of God's plan. It's either a present change in circumstance or a future change. So just exactly what's that mean? It means that a testimony has the power to change present and future events. As a matter of fact, and you've heard me teach this before, the word testimony in the original Hebrew is the word ud, and it means to repeat, to do again. So when you're giving your testimony, not only are you giving glory to God for what he has already done in your life, but you are believing that he's going to do it again. So whenever I share with people about how God took this 17-year-old pot-smoking teenager and saved him and set him free, I'm saying that for the glory of God, but I'm also saying that because I'm believing that God's going to also do it in their life also. Whenever I'm out and I tell people about how me and my wife were both given cancer diagnosis and three months to live, and we believed God, and we had a church that believed God, and we had a, 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 an entire greater church, the church outside of this, that was believing God, how now today I don't have cancer, never had cancer, by the way, it wasn't cancer, the devil's a liar, right? And now I'm able to get up here and do what I couldn't have done two years ago. Yeah, praise God. I am inside big time. And you know what? I'm doing it because I'm giving glory to God, but I'm also doing it because I'm wanting to release that prophetic anointing to say, Lord, do it in their life. Lord, just like you did it in me. Church, we have hope within us. Did you know that? You've got hope within you, and you've got stories of hope. Some of you need to write some of those stories down. Look, I'm, I, I'm by nature not the the guy who journals, I'm just not that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? My wife, she's that person, but she's rubbed off on me after 26 years of marriage. And can I just encourage you, when God does something for you, write that down. And anytime that you are discouraged in your life, go back and look what God has done. And sometimes, you know what, that, that testimony is not only to repeat in someone else's life. Sometimes you need to go back to your own testimony to believe that he can do it again because what God did then, he can also do again and again and again and again in your life. But we've got to believe that. Hey, this is how I came to know Christ. It was a group of people who shared their testimony. I'll be honest with you, you guys have heard my testimony. I just graduated high school for a week and was out driving around and just got finished smoking a big old Philly blunt. Now, if you know what that is, then um, I'll pray for you or you're redeemed, one or the other. <laughs> but uh, I, I went to a guy's house who was my drug dealer. Is it okay if I just give my testimony for just a minute? And I believe that God may do it again in some other people's lives in here. Because I didn't expect what I walked up on. I knocked up on the door and he opened the door and he said, hey, brother. And immediately I knew something different was like there was something different. There was a change on him just by like looking at him, right? In that wild. He said, You're in time for a Bible study. <laughs> I just smoked a Philly blunt. That that that's cannabis. That's marijuana for those of you who are like, oh, that's what that means. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. <laughs> I was high as guy. I'm like, oh my Lord. I said, he either spoke something bad or I did. He just said we're having a Bible study. This guy was a drug dealer, y'all. And he had gotten saved. I hadn't seen him in a couple weeks. And he says, come on in. And so I go in, and there's a group of people there that had surrounded him, the church had. How awesome was that? Because that's what we're supposed to do whenever someone gives their life to Christ. We need to surround them because they're infants in the Lord. And if you ever see someone here that has raised their hand at the end, man, go to them, encourage them, pray with them. Say, man, I'm so proud of you, right? And if you know someone who's new in their faith and you've been in the faith for a while, pour into them because we need fathers. We need spiritual mothers and fathers. Are y'all hearing me? And so I went in and I listened to their testimony. And guess what, man? At the end, after they all shared their testimony, and it was real simple. They just talked about how God had changed their life. Guess what? God did it again in my life. Yeah, a prophetic anointing went forth because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
But watch this. What do you think would have happened had they not shared their testimony? What do you think would have happened if they'd have been like, oh, um, hey, friend, uh, we've we got a group of people coming over. And he can tell I'm high. smell like weed. But they invited me in. Oh, man, will you invite someone in? Will you invite them into your life? Or do you want to say, man, that dude's a mess? Thank God. I was a mess. But thank God for a group of people who just saw past my mess and saw my need for Jesus and gave me Jesus. That's what we are called to do, church. That's what we're called to do. If they hadn't done anything, I'll tell you what would have happened. The same thing that happens when we don't do anything. Nothing happens. And we expect everyone else to do it. But watch this. Each and every one of us has a responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not just for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their job is to equip the saints, to equip you, to prepare you. Then we've all, as believers, brothers and sisters, then got to go out and do the work of the ministry. See, when you give your testimony, the God of the testimony will show up. Did you know that? And he will move on the hearts of men. But church, it's up to us to not allow the testimony of Jesus to die. And the way that we do it is by constantly keeping it in our conversation. Let me ask you something. How many of you guys have walked through something difficult in your life and God brought you through it? Would you just raise your hand, keep it up real high? Okay, watch it. You have a testimony. Now, don't keep it to yourself. Is that okay to say that in love? I love you. I challenge y'all so much as a pastor because I'm not because I'm calling you out, but because I'm calling you up because you've got greatness inside of you. And watch this. You say, oh, Pastor Chris, you, can, you know scripture. You know I have people say that. I'm like, yeah, but guess what? There's people in your life that you can reach that I can't because has, God has ordained it and said it that like they're going to listen to you and they're not going to listen to me. All you got to do is share with them that testimony. Now, let me ask you something. What do you think the chances are that the things that you have went through in your life, that other people are dealing with those same things? I can tell you, it's going to be 100%. Absolutely. The same things that we deal with, it's the same things that, that other people deal with. And your testimony, it could be the thing that would cause them to ignite their faith in God. Church, if you want to see the power of God moving in your life, then you have got to start releasing the testimony that's inside you and watch God begin to do it again. Amen? Okay, I said we get to Acts chapter 26. Uh, we took the long way there, but uh, Acts chapter 26. Last week, I gave you a little bit of an introduction to the person of uh, King Agrippa, and I told you that this is the greatest person that Paul ever met before. I, I should say he's the greatest person in of influence that he's ever met that we know of um, that may not have been written in Scripture. But this exchange that takes place between Paul and Agrippa is just fascinating. And uh, I'll read it fast, but I'm going to just read this little exchange. It's Acts 26, and it's about 29 verses, so just hold tight with me. If you don't have your Bibles, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. But it says this. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hands. That's how you know he's a preacher right there because preachers always, anyway. So Paul motioned with his hands and he began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way that I've lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known for me a long, they have known me for a long time and can testify, if they're willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. 
And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and, watch this, underline it, as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God, come on, don't you love those but God moments? But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with all these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long. I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these change. Wow, that, that stirs my heart right there, man. Come on, somebody. This exchange, it teaches us to be bold, even in the face of adversity. It teaches us to be courageous, even whenever we're standing before those in authority who might be intimidating, but it also teaches us the power of a personal testimony. Now, what we just read right here is a beautiful blueprint of how we're to share the gospel. The apostle Paul stood before King Agrippa, and he spoke simply, logically, and clearly about his life before Christ how he met Christ, and what his life was, or what his life was like after conversion. And, and as you can see, Paul's testimony, it only takes about maybe, what, three or four minutes to read out loud. And church, sharing your testimony is that simple. It's simply telling what your life was like before Christ, how you came to know Christ, and what your life is like now in Christ. And so I want us to just quickly just break down these three parts if we could. And the first part is this. The first part is talk about what your life was like before Christ. And you guys heard me just talk about mine just a minute ago, right? When I talked about my life before Christ, how I was smoking weed and chasing chicks and everything else and all that, right? That was my life before Christ. Then I told you about the conversion. We'll talk about that. But let me just tell you your life before Christ, what that could look like is that could just be like you talking about uh, the lack of peace that you had or the lack of joy that you had in your life. Or maybe you had a, a fear of death 
Or like many uh, of us, you just knew that something was missing in your life. You just weren't exactly sure what. Then maybe share the things that you tried to do to satisfy those deep inner needs. Maybe it was burying yourself in your work or burying yourself into your hobbies and your entertainment. Maybe it was um, relationship after relationship, but let me say bad relationship after bad relationship that you turn to in order to try to meet those needs. Or perhaps you, like me, you look to drugs or, or to alcohol, or maybe it was something like money. You, you look to money to try to fill that emptiness inside of you. And as you share your life about uh, what it was like before Christ and what you did to fix the problems that you faced, you're going to find that other people are going to be able to relate to you even if they aren't in the exact same issues, because anyone who does not have a relationship with God, they are looking for something to fill that place within them that only God can fill. But then there's the second part of your testimony, and that's where you talk about how you came to Christ. That could start with what caused you to consider being a Christian. Maybe it was the realization that something was missing in your life, and so you decided to turn to God. Perhaps it was the hope that you heard in someone else's testimony, or perhaps it was the hope that you heard when someone shared the gospel with you. My wife, she often gives her a testimony in which she shares about a Sunday school teacher who every week, she, she would say it this way, she said, the Sunday school teacher would keep talking about this man named Jesus, and every time I heard his name, I knew that that was who I needed. Friends, there's power in the name of Jesus. I said there's power in the name of Jesus. Don't shy away from speaking the name of Jesus. At seven years old, my wife accepted Christ because someone continued to speak the name of Jesus to her. But it's in this part that you want to make sure that you mention specifically the steps that you took to become a believer. And this is where you want to briefly and clearly include the gospel, just like Paul did right here to Agrippa. You want to communicate to them that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we all are in need of God's forgiveness. Then we can bring in scriptures like uh, God demonstrated his love towards us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we start letting them know about the hope that we have because even though we've all sinned, there's a hope in that God sent his son to come and to pay our sin debt. Hallelujah for that good news. Amen? You want to make sure that you communicate that in order for us to have forgiveness, we must accept Christ as Lord and Savior and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And friends, this is really, in our generation, the message they need to hear because right now, the, the message of the world, and, and sadly, has even crept into a lot of denominations, is that, oh, just be a good person. Friend, look at me. Everybody look at me. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus didn't give an exception off the side. He says, oh, unless you're like a good person or a perfect person. There are no perfect people. Do you know anybody who's perfect? I do. Jesus. Ha, I got you, didn't I? <laughs> but he's the only one. He's the only one. Then we talk about the third part of our testimony, which is talk about your life now after salvation. Talk about the work that God did in your heart. And how God met those deepest inner needs. Highlight the fact that the needs that you had before Christ are now met in Christ. How that you have a strength that you didn't have. How that you now have a peace that you didn't have. How that you now have a joy. You know what? It's so cool because no one taught me this. As a matter of fact, I hadn't even been to church yet. Like I said, I gave my life to Christ at, at my buddy's house who was a drug dealer that had gotten saved two weeks prior. And that morning... I was driving down the road. Oh, man, it was an early morning. And you know what? I had something I'd never experienced before. I had the joy of the Lord on the inside. And I didn't even know if this was the right thing to do. I just know that it was in me, so I let it come out. I'm driving down the road, no one but me. And then I have this joy. And guess what I did? I shouted. I'm driving down the road. I said, "Woo!" driving down the road. I'd never had that before. I didn't have a shout before. 
You want to know why you hear sometimes people shout? You want to hear why you hear people? And for those of you that are like still kind of not sure about church and you're kind of watching from the outside and you're seeing people lift their hands and you see people crying, that's because you're seeing an outward expression of what's happening inwardly within them, the work of God in their life. So we talk about how God does that work in our life. And here's the thing about sharing your testimony. People can argue with you about theology, but they can't argue about what Jesus has done in your life. I mean, when you think about it, and I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, it's kind of like um, the blind man in John chapter 9. Remember whenever the Pharisees came to him and says, hey, you know, Jesus, he's a sinner. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't possibly do that because the scripture says, and the guy's like, hey, look, man, I, I don't know about all this theology you're talking about. All I know is once I was blind, and now I can see. Amen? Hey, I don't know how old the earth is. I don't know if the dinosaurs were all wiped out before the flood or after the flood. I don't know if Adam had a belly button or not. But I know this. I know that I was a young man who was completely empty. And not only did Jesus fill me, but till this day, 30 years later, he has caused me to overflow. Once I was blind, and now I can see. Is it okay if I just testify again? Because I'm talking about how God can do in our lives what nothing in this world could do. And if I could just speak to those of you that are here, who maybe you're watching online or you're here listening to what I'm saying and you've yet to have this life-changing encounter, I want you to know that today everything can change. Today everything can change. Today Jesus can become the Lord of your life and you can experience him for yourself. You can experience his goodness. You can experience his kindness. You can experience his love. You can experience the power of his Holy Spirit and how that he goes and makes a way where there seems to be no way. And then you can experience what's going to be the greatest promise of all. And that is the citizenship of heaven, the promise of heaven, the promise that one day when we breathe our last breath, and friends, can I give you a statistic, one out of one dies. There will come a day, and we're never promised when that day will be, by the way. We kind of think, well, I've got my whole life ahead of me. We actually, you know, the Bible gives thousands of promises, but one promise that it never gives is the promise that we're going to even live for another day or make it through the day. But you know the promise that you have right now? The promise of heaven, if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you will take your faith out of your own good deeds, and you will recognize that what God has for you, friend, is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer. So whatever it is that you're living for in your life right now, and I don't know what that is. It could be popularity. It could be fame. It could be, you know, uh, just selfishness, self-centeredness. But if you will choose to walk away from that and to walk towards him and put your faith in Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life, friends, you will have that promise that when you breathe your last breath, the Bible says it this way, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, that's good news, you guys. I said that's good news. That's the promise that one day when all the worries and all the troubles and all the stuff that we all face, each and every one of you face, because there's not a person in this room that's not either going through something, just came out of something, or you're about to go into something. Each and every one of us face difficulties in this life. And the Bible says that that would happen. It says, think it not strange whenever trials come your way. But watch this. We have a hope. The world doesn't have that. That's the reason that the world is, is medicated and broken and, and, and everything else and crazy because they don't have a hope. We have a hope, and his name is Jesus. And so I just want to just give this invitation because I would not be doing my job as a minister of the gospel. If there's someone here that you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now watch this. I have now lived my life long enough to know that there are oftentimes people that come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they listen and they smile and they act like they're a follower of Christ, but they've never fully given their heart to Christ. They've never relinquished the reins and said, Jesus, you're my Lord over every area. And so I want to give an invitation right now for anyone who says, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, every area of my life. Now, for those of you that are watching online, I give you the same invitation, whether you're there in your bedroom watching here on YouTube or in your living room right now you can call upon the name of Jesus and right now friend he will save you he will forgive you and guess what all things that are in the past they get thrown into what the Bible calls the sea of forgetfulness and today marks a brand new day now if that's you and you say I want that Chris I want to be a Christian I, I want to follow God. I don't want to just hear about these testimonies. That's cool. That's awesome, your testimony. I want my own testimony. Well, today you can have it right now. Those that have this testimony are those that put their faith in Christ. And so if you want to put your faith in Christ, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. And what we're going to all do together is we're going to confess Jesus as the Lord of our life. For those of you who would say, I need him, I want him to be my Lord, I'm going to ask you just to do this. Would you put your hand up? You say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Put it up right now. Just wait. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. Okay, yeah, praise God. Praise God. Awesome, awesome. Who else? Well, there's quite a few people. Come on, hands all over the room. Yeah, who else? Amen, amen. Who else? Come on, if you're watching online, don't just think that you've got to be uh, right here. But right now, Jesus will save you, friend, right where you are. I want us to do this together right now. Can we stand real quick? Just stand together. We are going to all pray this prayer of surrender out loud. And the Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, believe it in our heart that God will raise him from the dead, that we will be saved, that we will have the promise of citizenship in heaven. So for those of you that says yes right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Saints of God that have prayed this prayer, join in with me. And we're going to all together right now confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And God is going to save several in this room right now. Pray this out loud. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. And I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave, just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate? Not only our salvation, but there are several people who said yes to Jesus.